I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. It's time to uh, give it a hump. Everybody knows that. Oklahoma was an opportunity uh, that we just did not uh, capitalize on, which sucks. But some obviously some positives that we can bring out of that and uh, roll into this week at the, with Michigan State. We definitely need it. Going down the stretch here, you know, every game is, is, a, is a need win for us. You know, that's how we're approaching it. And we know any given Saturday we can, we can win those games. We need to approach each game with the same intensity we did the Oklahoma week. I think we played good, not to, to our standard, though. Um, we, we needed to play great, and we know we needed to play great to win this game defensively. And, you know, really frustrated we couldn't get that done. We played a really good team on the road. Uh, I can't say enough about that Oklahoma program and coaches. Um, that's a great test for us. Uh, we're probably the best team that we've been going into the, the Mita conference play since I've been here, and I don't think there's any doubt of that. So we're going to get a lot of opportunities to, to win some good games and close games, and I can't wait to see that happen for these guys. Hello and welcome again to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett getting you ready for Nebraska-Michigan State as these two teams will square off in a night game um, in East Lansing. It's a 6 o'clock Central, 7 o'clock Eastern time kickoff. Nebraska's first true Saturday night game in in a few years. Obviously, they had a Friday night game last year in Rutgers, but um, different change, different routine this week for the Big Red as they go on the road. And honestly, Robin, probably a game that we weren't expecting to be what it is. I mean, I think when you looked at the preseason, you're like, oh, it's another kind of rebuilding year for Mel Tucker. A lot of transfers, new quarterback. Well, all of a sudden, they're 3-0 with a win over Northwestern and then a very impressive road win at Miami. And we know how hot it is to play out there. They're a northern team. They went down into Miami and, and you know, on a noon kickoff, September hot Saturday, won in very convincing fashion. Yeah, and that's like been the the really most impressive thing about uh, all this is not only are they winning, but they're dominating teams, especially offensively with that running game. Kenneth Walker the third leads the nation in rushing at you know almost 170 yards per game, averaging 8.7 per carry, uh, and has really kind of emerged as a potential Heisman Trophy candidate with his performance over the first, you know, three games of the season. But, you know, Peyton Thorne, their quarterback, has been just as good. He's got nine touchdowns, no interceptions. He was just named the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week this past week. So, um, I mean, there's there's a lot going well uh, up in East Lansing. And Mel Tucker has done a pretty phenomenal job, uh, especially taking over last year during a pandemic uh, and getting this thing as good as it's been in such a short amount of time. So this is a major game for them. You know, we obviously know – what this means for Nebraska in, in the context of their season, but you know Michigan State. I mean, they just jumped into the top twenty, uh, and so now they got a chance to really 
make a statement on a, you know, like I said, a primetime kickoff game. They're, uh, Magic Johnson is tweeting out to Michigan State fans to get jacked up, and they're doing the stripe-out game where there's going to be green and white pattern T-shirts you know, throughout the stadium. So they're going all in on this one because they know that they have mo- some serious momentum on their side. If they're able to knock off Nebraska on primetime, that could really get the ball rolling for them to have a special season. Yeah, you look at the schedule after Nebraska. It's Western Kentucky, Rutgers, Indiana. Rutgers is better. Um, Michigan, obviously a big, huge rivalry game. That's probably going to be like the big noon kickoff game that mm-hmm. week for sure. Uh, then you have Purdue and Maryland before you close with Ohio State and Penn State. So in some ways, Michigan State has like the 2019 Minnesota schedule where they can kind of navigate their way to, I mean, they could be anywhere from eight and two, nine and one, all the way down to, you know, five and, you know, five and five or mm-hmm. Six and four. I mean, they've got a schedule though that could get them to a nine and three season. If they beat Nebraska, you know, nine and three is pretty attainable for Mel Tucker, which would make him almost a national coach of the year. Yeah, and so you know, I think that's what you know, the, the reason they're so excited is because they have a formula that I think is set to make meat, some meat and potatoes, blue exactly. collar. I mean, they are bi- Big Ten built already, and you know, the the running back and quarterback get, get all the attention, but. I remember going into the season, you know, we interviewed uh, Graham Couch from uh, the um, Lansing State Journal, and he said that the biggest issue for Michigan State over the last decade has been offensive line play to when their offensive line is good. They're competing for a Big Ten championship when they're not. They're in the cellar of the East Division. And so uh, you want to look at the, the improvements they've made, you know, at the skill positions. I would look at that offensive line as really being the biggest difference between uh, the expectations for Michigan State coming into the season and what they've been through three games so far. You're listening here to the Husker Online show as we talk Nebraska, Michigan State. Robin, let, let's hit on Oklahoma a little bit um, because I, I thought in the open we had a number of players talk. Ben Stilley said it best. He goes, we played good but not great. And if you really look at the fine details of the numbers, Nebraska's defense played good but not great. I mean, they didn't force yeah. a turnover. They they only limited Oklahoma to two plays over 20 yards last week, the long being 23. That was a positive. But they missed 21 tackles. Gave up almost 200 yards rushing. And gave up – that game itself, and Tony Tuioti said this um, today or Tuesday after practice, that it resembled kind of a pro game. The, mm-hmm. the the play counts, the way the possessions went, the executions on both sides offensively, time of possession. Mm-hmm. It was really more like an NFL-style game um, the way it was managed on both ends. Yeah, I mean, especially from what they'd been seeing the past couple of weeks. And so, I mean – you can look at all the stats you want. The bottom line is the defense played well enough for them to win that game. When you hold Oklahoma to 23 points, the worst number. You can't you can't ask for much better than that. So, yeah, they they weren't perfect by any stretch and especially the missed tackles. I think that's the one thing that uh you know, looking back on the film, the defensive coaches and players were the most upset about was uh, I think Pro Football Focus had them charted with 21 missed tackles in that game. So, you know, that's that's a lot. And Granted, Oklahoma's skill positions players are really good, and they're really good at making people miss. But, you know, uh, the bottom line is Nebraska's defense did what they were supposed to do. And the offense, you know, they they had their issues, but they made some plays and, and had themselves in a, ch- in a spot to win it at the end. But bottom line, the, 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 when it came down to it, it was special teams once again. When you give up nine points in a seven-point loss strictly off your kicking game, uh, you're not going to beat anybody, let alone the third-ranked team in the country. Well, and Connor Colt missed two field goals. Like he, de- I mean, and one of them was really long, so you can't be critical. But the, the one, the, the shorter one, 
Mm-hmm. Was it 35? Yep. Or, I mean, it was, it was like 35 and 51, I think. So, you know, you can't be overly critical on the over 51, but the the one that was inside 30, that, that or that was that that was inexcusable. The missed extra point was actually Kellen Meyer, but he had nothing to do with that. I mean, it was like a grenade blew up in the line of scrimmage, and Ethan Piper, who was filling in for Trent Hickson, who had been in that role, Trent Hickson left the game injured, had never been in that position, is my understanding. No excuses, um, but you know, was not ready for that play mm-hmm. clearly uh, because I have never seen an interior lineman get blown up on an extra point play like that ever. No. I mean, I mean, it was, it was like a high school senior going against a eighth-grade football player moment. I mean, how does a guy that's that strong get blown up like that? Well, and it wasn't just that play, too. There are other kicks that they got off that, I mean, Oklahoma's push uh, up just in the in the gut of that that uh, kickoff. Coaching, that's coaching. Yeah, I mean, they, they had a great plan and knew where the weakness was, and they attacked it and uh, were able to get a lot of pressure to the point where they, they gained two points out of it. Then. I don't remember the last time I've seen an extra point blocked and returned for two points. Like I don't even know, like in the history of football, how many times that's even happened. But of course, if it, it happened, if it were going to happen to somebody, it'd be Nebraska. And then, so you pair that. I mean, yeah, it. It's not like the individual game stuff that happened to Connor Culp that's the bigger issue, but it's it's the context of the entire season. That I mean, he's missed five field goals already. He's missed two extra points already, and this was a guy that missed. Two field or two kicks all of last season. I mean, he was 33 of 35 on field goals and extra points a year ago, en route to being the Big Ten kicker of the year. And so missing those two kicks take on a bigger issue because of kind of where his mentality is between the years. And clearly that's that's becoming an issue by the game. All right, we have a full show on tap. We're gonna break down offense and defensive storylines as well as uh, take some questions in the mailbag, and then Hondo Carpenter of Spartan Nation will join us as he'll give us some insight on Mel Tucker and this Spartan football team Nebraska will face up against on Saturday. That's all in this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Man, if I had a nickel for everything we're doing to try to avoid those mistakes, I'd have a lot of nickels. We got to lock in. I know crowd noise can be a factor. It's a factor in our home stadium, too. Uh, but uh, the penalties don't seem to go our way. We'll just double down again and, and keep trying to make sure those things don't happen. I mean, we got eight eight Big Ten games now. I mean, it's, it's go time. Let's win. Let's go. Take it week by week and see how much noise we can make. Um, that's all we can do. But I'm excited to get this new chapter started, really, with just straight Big Ten games now. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washa here at Scott Frost and Austin Allen just trying to Lock in and dial in, Robin, as focus needs to be there. This segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill on 30th and Yankee Hill in Lincoln. I can tell you it will be rocking in there on Saturday night. Uh, Back-to-back night games, but this one being a road game. uh, Obviously, get in there early, find a spot, hunker down, play some Keno, watch some football, get some wings. 
You might see the commercial with Jojo Doman and Bryce and myself play a few times on the air and give me a hard time about it because I deserve it. But get on into Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill, 30th and Yankee Hill Road here in Lincoln, also in Omaha as well, as you are going to want to be in there to watch all of the action on Saturday and Sunday with the NFL football and Monday Night Football as well at Tanner's. But, Robin, let's talk offensive storylines for the week. I want to hit on this. I thought Oklahoma had a really good game plan to at least limit Adrian Martinez. Um, yes, he made some downfield throws, and that was just a guy making plays, making reads, but the runs. I mean, I thought um, Alex Grinch had the blueprint we might see more in the Big Ten where you're not going to see a lot of blitzes at Martinez. It's mm-hmm. going to be maybe five, six calculated blitzes a game. Instead, you're going to see a lot of three- and four-man rushes with spies that sit back on Martinez and try to limit those 70-plus yard runs we've seen this year. Yeah, that was clearly their number one priority defensively was to contain Adrian Martinez as a runner and make him one-dimensional. And so they spied him on darn near every play and just let uh, their front four handle the majority of the pass rush. Now, I will say they have the luxury of doing that because their front four is so good at getting to the quarterback. They have two linemen that – I think graded out as the the top two pass rushers in the Big 12. So other teams aren't necessarily going to be as effective in using that strategy, but clearly the book is out. That if you want to eliminate a lot of the dynamic playability of Nebraska's offense, you focus on Adrian as a runner, and you put people back in coverage, and you make him be a quarterback. Yeah, and because I don't think there's not much respect for Nebraska's running backs right now. I mean, Not at all. I mean, the numbers, the data – they, as a unit, have not even come. I mean, I guess the Fordham game, they had you know still a fair amount of yards because of what Marquis Stepp did. But take that game out of the equation. The other three games against um, FBS opponents, they have not even come close to 200 yards in a game with the running backs. Mm-hmm. And that's the issue. We, t- we said that all offseason, that you needed to find a way to take the pressure off Adrian Martinez to where he doesn't have to do everything. He doesn't have to be your number one rusher and throw for 300 yards a game. And Unfortunately, that's played out you know, to be the case far too often because of the inconsistency and really lack of overall productivity they've had from that running back position. And the revolving door that they've had there has been a real frustrating thing because they've said so many times they want to find their bell cow, but they don't look like they're anywhere remotely close to finding that. And it's just going to be a week-to-week, just hodgepodge guess of who's going to make I mean, up that run, rat rotation each week. I've used this analogy a few times. I mean, the running back situation right now is kind of like a weekly soup special. He just, mm-hmm. what's the chef going to dial up in the kitchen today? And that's the running back that we're going to see. And Nobody had any idea that Ramir Johnson was going to be the guy last week. Nobody had any idea that we wouldn't see Marquis step against Buffalo after he had over 100 yards rushing against Ford. I mean, it, it really is a Bill Belichick, New England's Patriot type deal. Um, and they, they've got to get something to jump out where they, they it, it just, I don't know. I mean, it just doesn't have a very good feel when you can only get you know, guys, eight to 10 carries, 12 carries, and then you divide that up a couple of people. And then another guy gets about four carries. Yeah. When those guys are getting those carries and running for two yards a pop. I mean that, you know, when you're operating out of second and long all the time and third and third and long, third and medium, I mean, that just makes life so hard and it makes put so much pressure on Adrian Martinez to have to be a hero on every drive. And 
Uh, as we've seen, he's he's having a great year. I mean, just compared to what he's been over the past few years, Adrian Martinez has been on a different level. But uh, it's just asking too much of him to have to go out there and win every play, every drive, every game without getting much help from his supporting cast. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we get you ready for Saturday's Nebraska-Michigan game, 6 o'clock game um, that can be seen on FS1 um, as Nebraska and Michigan State uh, playing under the lights two weeks in a row on grass surface. Um, we did see Xavier Betts really make an impact. Omar Manning um, had a hell of a week, talked a lot about his mental health issues he battled a year ago. We probably or hopefully could see Oliver Martin back. I don't have a really good read on that one at, at this point where he's at, but those tight ends, Robin. I, I think when you had Vokalek and Allen and all the other guys I mentioned before back, it just changed the look of that offense last week. Yeah, I mean, they were a different-looking group. And, you know, the run game, like I said, didn't do much. But you could just see they, they had a different identity with Travis Vokalek in particular out there. His ability to block on the edge just allows them to do some different things that, you know, again, they, they didn't work uh, probably the way that they wanted them to, but you know, they, they just had a different kind of uh, uh, identity to them that uh, I think kind of changed their offense a little bit. And then obviously both those guys got really involved in the passing game as well. You're listening here to the Husker Line. So let's talk offensive line too before we um, wrap things up here in this offensive segment. Uh, we saw Teddy Prohaska playing tight end. Um, you know, he could maybe move out to tackle – but six of the eight penalties for Nebraska, Robin, or with that offensive line, four penalties on the opening drive. I mean, just two before the first play. All of it just unacceptable when you when you look at it. Yeah, I mean, and that's you know you want to look at all their issues. I think that offensive line and how much they've underperformed this year compared to uh, how improved you know we all projected them they were going to be. Uh, I mean, that's as big of an issue as anything as to why this offense hasn't been what uh, it was supposed to be. So, uh, I mean, the, the penalties is where it starts. You have to be more disciplined. And I'll, I'll, I will say, you know, Cam Jurgens had those two unsportsmanlikes. At least one of those should not have been called. He was just playing football and, you know, playing through the whistle. And you compare what he did to what some of those Oklahoma linemen were doing to Nebraska's defenders. I mean, Nick Henrich got body slammed, like professional wrestling style, and they didn't call anything. So, you know, I think I chalk that up to just bad officiating on some part. But the false starts, the, the holdings and those types of things, man, the, that has to stop. Uh, for, for this offense to do anything, you, they have to figure out uh, not only to execute better, but to stay out of their own way with those, you know, just those discipline issues. All right, when we come back, we're going to shift the focus over to talking about the defense and the challenge that Nebraska's defense will face this week against a very good Michigan State offense led by the nation's leading rusher, Kenneth Walker III, here and here is talk about him a lot on this show and the impact he's had. Arguably, maybe the Big Ten Player of the Year right now through the the quarter poll, so to speak. When you look at what he's done and what Michigan State's done, and Mel Tucker, you know, arguably candidate for Coach of the Year. I think there's a lot of guys though that that can have stake to that right now. James Franklin, Kirk Ferentz, Mel Tucker. Um, a lot of guys are getting a lot out of their football teams early on, but we know it's early and a lot can change in the Big Ten Conference. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. 
Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Obviously, he's a, you know, he's a put together really well, uh, explosive kid. He's going to challenge your leverage, you know, and, and some of these guys, uh, you know, they want to get to the edge and get the ball up the field. He wants to challenge your leverage and make a cut and, and really go. Hasn't been a lot of single tackles on this guy, so a lot of halves need to get to the football, um, but obviously he's leading the NCAA in rushing. I think he's got like nine yards of carry, so uh, he's a really good football player. He's powerful. He's got great vision. He can cut it back. He can hit it front side. Um, it takes more than one guy to tackle him. Uh, and it shows up on tape. Kenneth Walker's, uh, you know, he's the best running back that we're going to face uh, to this point. One of the best running backs in the country. Uh, nearly averages a first down every time he touches the football. So he's definitely got our attention. His, the offense goes through him. And um, we got a, we got a great challenge ahead of us. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan Robin Washup, as you heard, Tony Tuioti and Eric Chenander talking about the challenge of Kenneth Walker. But before we get into the defensive discussion, Robin, this uh, segment of the show is brought to you by our newest partner on the on the program, Huskers to Ireland. Um, we are working closely now with Ireland and uh, the officials for the game when Nebraska plays Northwestern next year. And they've got a special website dedicated to the game, Huskers, the number two Ireland, Huskers to Ireland. Dot com And you're going to want to start to get things moving if you want to go out to Ireland. We will be traveling out there as well um, with a big crew from the website here to, to bring you uh, coverage throughout to we, uh, throughout the week with the game. As we know, is August 27th, 2022. Lots of great packages available. And the reason you're going to want to book with Huskers to Ireland is they have already secured and locked up all the good hotel rooms, all the activities and things that you're going to want to do. And there's only so many spots throughout the week that you're going to be able to lock up some of these things. And by getting on now, you can ensure that you're going to get the most out of this trip to Ireland. You're going to get to do all the cool tours and things uh, with Huskers to Ireland um, that you want to get done. And you know, we encourage you as well to start looking at Aer Lingus here soon. You can start booking flights um, with the premier uh, partner of the game, the airline partner, to get that full Irish experience uh, to fly over with Aer Lingus. Um, and now you can also purchase tickets separately. We knew that was something on the previous year. A lot of Husker fans um, wanted to just buy tickets and book their own trip. Well, they are going to also have tickets available as well um, later here coming up in the year. So Plenty of options. The website is huskers2ireland.com, and we'll be talking about it now for the next several months as we're excited to be on board helping promote this game into Ireland. So get on, secure your spot, get your good rooms and activities, have a shot of Jameson, get a Guinness, (laughs) have it all. Exactly. It's safe to say that I've never been more excited for a Nebraska non-conference game in, in my career and probably in my entire life. I mean, did I give it away by taking what was supposed to be a 30-second spot and, and talking for two minutes about going to Ireland? Yeah, you went off script there for about a good you know 35 seconds. A very passionate <laughs> spot to bring me back to the homeland. Absolutely. But let, let's get down to Nebraska-Michigan State now. Um, this is going to be an interesting game for the defense. I think this is a real litmus test game because they've seen Buffalo. They did a really good job against Buffalo. They did obviously a good job against Fordham. There were moments against Illinois. I thought against uh, Oklahoma, there were a lot of great moments. Can they now carry it over to this week? Yeah, really. I mean, outside of the one quarter, that third quarter against Illinois, 
you know, the defense has been lights out all year, but the question was, well, they haven't played anybody and they haven't seen a real offense. Well, they saw a real offense on Saturday and yes, they, uh, you know, missed out on some big plays, you know, some sacks, turnovers, uh, gave up a lot of rushing yards and, you know, some, some, you know, critical third downs, but Overall, uh, they did exactly what they were supposed to do. Uh, I don't know how much better a defense is going to do against Oklahoma than what Nebraska did. And I think they've really proven themselves as a legitimate unit in in the Big Ten Conference, as one of the better defenses in the Big Ten. You're starting to see like national people kind of recognize that. I, I can't remember who tweeted it, but I saw someone retweet it where um, you know the, one of this, this this national college football analyst said. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of it is being made of what Oklahoma didn't do and not enough is being made about what Nebraska did. Uh, I mean, people need to understand that this is a really good defense and they played like it in, in that stage where Oklahoma came into that game wanting to make a statement and they did anything but. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show as we talk defensive storylines. Casey Rogers should be back this week as well. He's about 90, 95%. And I'm not expecting him to be like 40 snaps a game, but if they can get 15 to 20 snaps out of Casey I think that'd be a pretty good number to look at for his return. Well, especially in a game like this, where I mean, the, this game will be decided in the trenches. And you know, talking with DeAndre Thomas and, and some of the the D linemen this week, you know, they they said they're pretty dialed up for this uh, because this is the type of game they love. Where Michigan State is going to make no secret about what they're going to do. They're going to run the ball right at Nebraska and dare them to stop it uh, with their running back with that offensive line. And it's going to be up to that defensive front seven to hold their own. And so having another body, especially one as talented as Casey Rogers, is going to be a huge asset. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk defensive storylines. Um, Robin, it will be a different game, I think, for Nebraska's linebackers. Uh, Oklahoma last week you know, had more shiftier backs, more dynamic run schemes were – um, they were fairly off balance, um, but Michigan State to me is going to just say we're going to we're we're stronger and bigger and tougher than you. We're going to try to run right at you, and I think this will. I like that kind of matchup for this defense. Yeah, exactly. And so you know, tackling is going to be more important than ever. Uh, you know, the, the twenty one missed tackles that that was the real black eye of that performance. And you know, when you look at a burning back like Kenneth Walker the third, it's very rare that a one-on-one tackle gets him to the ground. And so with those linebackers, it's not just about getting that first contact. It's about everyone else swarming to the football and just wrapping him up, making sure he doesn't get away. And, uh, you know, his style of running is different than those Oklahoma guys where, you know, they're they're a little bit more, you know, speed and, and athleticism. He has that, but he's a one-cut-and-go type running back to where, you know, they, they might start moving the play one direction, then boom, he cuts it back or cuts it up the field and is gone for a big gain. And so being gap sound is going to be critical as well as making sure that you get multiple hats to the football to, to avoid those yards after contact. And can Nebraska get home and finish plays? That will be something to watch. They've not really gotten a sack since the Illinois first half where they've made that big disruptive beast mode third down sack. And they've come close, but they've not been able to really get home and finish plays. Well, and so much of that has to do with the way opposing teams have been thrown against them to where, you know, outside of the first half against Illinois, when by no coincidence, Nebraska was able to just destroy the pocket and you know rack up a couple sacks. Uh, no, no teams have been running five step drops. It's all been three step quick get the ball out of the quarterback's hands and just eliminate the chance to get a sack. And so you look at the sack numbers. Yeah, they've, they've been bad, but there's a reason for that. And so when you look at pressure, 
you got to take a lot of other things into account. And so that's, that's why the defense has been looking at, you know, hurries and, uh, you know, batted balls and collapsing the pocket. I like the term that Ben Stelly used, Stelly used this week where making the quarterback throw out of a well, where you collapse the pocket and get bodies around him so where he can't step into his throw and make strong passes downfield. So I think that's kind of when you look at a game like this, you know, you know Peyton Thorne doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's not going to take a lot of chances. And so they're going to get the ball out of his hands quickly can Nebraska do enough with that pressure to at least disrupt the rhythm and, and make him uncomfortable when he does have to throw it? All right, when we come back, we're going to take your questions in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Good. Yeah, he had surgery yesterday uh, yesterday afternoon, and it, re- it went really well. Uh, you know, so he'll start rehab here soon as tomorrow or maybe this afternoon. Uh, he's in really good spirits. You know, I thought he had a really good start to his freshman year he's he's a dog I mean he loves to compete and I think he's going to have a bright future here just one of those deals freak things you see it all the time a non-contact thing I mean that play would have been a huge play you know we had it dialed up and just one of those freak freak deals in the game of football that happened and welcome back here to the Husker Online Show Sean Callahan Robin Washett as you heard Ryan Held discussing the Gabe Urban Jr. injury he blew out his patella tendon in his knee had surgery on Tuesday, uh, out for the season. The one silver lining happened on the fourth game, so he will get to keep a red shirt this year. Um, and Gabe Irvin was about to probably have the best run of his career against Oklahoma as there was a huge crease robbing on that play and uh, went down on that knee. Well, and that game in itself was as good as he'd looked all season. I mean, he was showing some bounce to the outside and uh, a little bit of that uh, that that swagger with the football that we saw in the spring game that made us so high on him to begin with. So it's unfortunate, um, you know, disappointing that a guy like that had a season cut short, but gets to redshirt. All right, let's get down to the mailbag. Abby Barmore joining us. What leads us off? Has the defensive line been as dominant through four games as was predicted prior to the first game? Um, yes and no. I, I, I still think it's so easy for an amateur eye to say sacks, but it's so much more than sacks. It, it's pressures, it's hits, it's disruption plays. When teams run quick game and three-step drop, you're just not going to get a lot of sacks. Now, with that said, Nebraska had opportunities to sack Spencer Rattler, and they didn't get it done. Mm-hmm. They had opportunities to force turnovers, and they didn't get those turnovers. I mean, in the first half, in the pro football focus grades, I think downgraded – uh, Rattler for that. I mean, he made throws that should have been picked off. Yeah, he had at least three balls that should have been picked. One on the opening drive when they scored, uh, and then I think there was another tip pass they dropped, and then Braxton Clark had that great play on the ball where the ball hit him directly in the chest and he just dropped it. So Nebraska had opportunities to make some game-changing plays, and you know, against a team like that, you better make sure you make them. What should we make of Marquis Stepp's absence from the lineup against Oklahoma? Yeah, it's hard to get a read on that because – I think some of it's game flow, play count, matchup, situation, and Ramir and Gabe were running it so well. And I think it was hard to go away from those guys on Saturday. I think the play counts were lower Saturday compared to the, say, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago against Fordham when everybody that could carry a football got a carry in that game. 
Um, so I just think it's some of that. They have said, though, they are going to need Marquis Step going forward. Um, I think he definitely fits the style of Big Ten play. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I'd made a joke um, on a show this week, Robin, that the Nebraska running back room, it's like trying to figure out which Patriots running back is going to be the the, <laughs> the, guy to, the guy to take in fantasy football yeah. each week. Because it's literally week to week. And it's not just about what you did the last game. It's every day in practice. I mean, they put so much of an emphasis on how guys practice. Uh, we've seen that with other positions as well, but it seems like it's it's especially true at running back where – um, they're the hot hand isn't just, you know, what's going on in the game. It's uh, how they factor you into the game plan and how well you perform and practice all week. As Nebraska's offensive linemen develop more throughout the season and barring injuries, who comprises Nebraska's starting offensive line against o- Iowa at the end of the season? Gosh, that's a really, really good mm-hmm. question. Um, Cause there's so many unknown elements. I think Teddy Prohaska is the biggest unknown element. Mm-hmm. If, Things continue to struggle at the tackle positions. Could you see a Bryce Binhart down the road move to guard and then Corcoran move to right tackle because he's clearly struggled on the left side and then Prohaska at left. But with that said, you want to put a true freshman at left tackle. That's that's asking a lot. Um, So I think there's a lot there. We, I think we're pretty confident to say that Cameron Juergens is, is locked in where he's at. We know that, but I really think the other four spots between Nuri Nuelli um, and, and some of these other guys, like um, Brock Bando, who's been out, Robin. I mean, there, there's a number of players that could factor in that if the mistakes and the inconsistency happen, they might have to look at one of those guys. Yeah, I mean, it seems, seems like there's four options at left guard right now with the way they have it. And obviously, Piper's gotten his shot. Trent, Trent Hickson got his shot, but then got hurt. And then Piper had to come back in. Uh, and then Nuelli and Bando, when whenever he's ready to return from from that illness uh those are probably your your main options there unless they shake things up in a major way and decide to try to move one of those tackles inside uh you know i i'm reluctant to throw a guy like teddy out there right now um i think that you might risk a little bit uh, just with the confidence standpoint throwing especially in big 10 play that's 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 a tall challenge so I think if they can get away with those four to potentially man down the, the, the guard spots, I think that, that would be the ideal route for them. Nebraska has six kickers on its roster. Is that normal? And who out of that group is probably Culp's main con- competition? Well, I think right now Kellen Meyer appears to be the main competition because when they came time to put another leg in to kick, it was him. It was him. Um, and, you know, he's the, the true freshman out of Ord, Nebraska, and – uh, we Abby, you interviewed him and did a nice feature on Kellen Meyer at the Shrine Bowl. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think he's really, really raw um, as a kicker. And I think Brendan Frankie can boot it too as well. Um, but I, I get the sense, unless Connor Culp's injured, which he might be. I mean, I, I think there's some smoke out there that he was coming off an injury still. And that's been some of the problem with his with his stroke. Yeah, they said he missed most of fall camp with an injury, and it really didn't get talked about at all because no one really looks at the kickers. But because uh, he was the one thing you didn't have to worry about, he's your only conference player, the all conference player of the the Frost era. Uh, you know, he thought he wasn't even being discussed, and so. If there is an injury, I don't know. To me, I think it's all just in his head right now. Um, you know, you, you see it in other sports where Austin Allen said he never airballed a free throw in his life until his senior year. He, he just randomly airballed one. Then he ended up, ended up airballing six more over the course of his senior season. So, I mean, sometimes you just get in your own head. And I think that's going to be the biggest issue is guys continuing to pick Connor up and, and just get him through this funk that he's going through. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. We're taking your questions with Abby Barmore. 
What Michigan State offensive player do you think it's going to stress Nebraska's defense the most? Well, it's, it's got to be Kenneth Walker the third. I mean, he leads the country in rushing. Um, they've got, though, I would say three NFL-level receivers. You'll hear from Hondo Carpenter on that next in our next segment. Uh, they've got a solid quarterback, um, but I really think Kenneth Walker, if he can do what he's done, it's going to be hard to walk out of East Lansing with a win. Yeah, I mean, you can't allow him to just run, run 8.7 yards per carry on you because you will lose the game. Um, but I think that the, the X factor is going to be when Nebraska is able to contain the run and force Thorne into obvious passing situations, can they win the 50-50 balls? Because Michigan State is not going to do anything silly. Thorne's not going to throw the ball into bad spots. And so when he does throw it up there and it's you versus the receiver, you got to win those balls and make sure that you can get off the field with a turnover or a PBU. we got time, Abby, for one more question. What do you have to end us off with in the mailbag? There have been a lot of big moments in the Nebraska-Michigan State series. What is your favorite moment or play? Whew, so many. Um, when you think about this series, I mean, going all the way back to the first meeting in the Big Ten, I'll go all the way back to my first Michigan State-Nebraska game, which was the 03 Alamo Bowl, Robin, when Richie Incognito spit in a lineman's face. And there was a um, team brawl at a uh, fiesta party that the Alamo Bowl hosted. <laughs> and Richie Incognito picked up a chair um, at the team fiesta party and threw it across the room as some Michigan State players were trying to pick a fight with quarterback Jamal Lord. But that was pre-Big Ten days, and uh, that was a very fun bowl trip to cover uh, because it was an interim head coach, there was no curfew, and Bo Pelini kind of let things run loose on the on the Riverwalk that week. But um, Big Ten memories, hard not to go with that Brandon Riley yeah, catch. that's the easy one. Um, but in a losing effort, the Jamal Turner punt return was pretty dangerous. Pearsonell. Pier- or Yeah, Pearsonell's punt. Jamal return. Turner had the game-winning yeah. catch. Pearsonell had the punt return to get him back into it. I think well, what, that was the last time they played, right? So yeah, there've been. I mean, D'Antonio had has had. He did have some really good teams, and and it felt like a rivalry there for a while. Well, especially because <laughs> for whatever reason, Nebraska's just had Michigan State's number, even against really good Michigan State teams. And so you know, the, the Riley one immediately jumps out. Um, but you know, the one that I always remember is that game uh, back in 2011 when Nebraska was ranked 13th, Michigan State was ninth. Kirk Cousins and the Spartans came into like Memorial that. Stadium, and Nebraska's defense absolutely demolished them. 24 to three victory. Uh, Cousins threw for 86 yards. He was 11 remember, of, 11 of 27 with a pick in me, that game. Remember, Carl Pelini came out with that defensive look where like it looked like all. Every guy in the line of scrimmage, like seven or eight guys were standing up and they were yep. doing like the Pittsburgh Steelers. The, the Amoeba defense or whatever. <laughs> they never had showed that. And so like Michigan State just yeah. didn't even know what to do. I mean, they, it was pure dominant, 187 total yards in that game. And that again, that was a top 10 Michigan State team with an NFL quarterback at the helm. And that was an 11 a.m. game. And I will say that that was probably one of the best atmospheres I can remember for an 11 a.m. game. I mean, that place was ready to go and wanted to fight, and they took it to Michigan State yeah. that day. So that one sticks out to me, but there's some plays that, that jump out as well. Okay, well, thank you, um, Abby. And when we come back, Hondo Carpenter from Spartan Nation will join us next. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. 
This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. They're a hell of a team. You know, they're a tough team, and uh, they're going to fight. They've played really well so far this year, and I'm excited to go play a night game and go play in that atmosphere. Never been to East Lansing, so I know the guys are excited about it. I'm excited about it, and it'll be a, it'll be a fist fight. And welcome back here to the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan here, final segment of the show as we're going to talk to Michigan State and pleased to bring in a longtime friend of mine, a guy I've known for many years, Hondo Carpenter of Spartan Nation. Uh, Hondo, it's great to have you on. It feels like it's been too long since Nebraska and Michigan State have got on the field and played. I agree, my friend. I think this is a rivalry that I would love to see be protected, that both teams have to play every year. I love Husker Nation. I love everything Nebraska stands for, and I would love to see it. Yeah, you, you, you look back the last time they played, I, I believe it was, what, 2014? Mm-hmm. I mean, so, yeah, I was, I was going to say 15, but maybe you're right. It, maybe it was even 14 a year later, so it's been way too long. That's not good, in my opinion. You want these teams playing a lot. Well, let's talk about Michigan State. And, and you're right, it was 2015. That was the year Michigan State won the Big Ten. Uh, but a lot has changed with Michigan State um, over that time, and Nobody really had an idea where it was going to head with Mel Tucker, and you kind of didn't know what this team was going to be, uh, but they got Northwestern at the right time, a new quarterback, a lot of starters to replace, and they got game one. They got game two, and then they go on the road and get a signature win at Miami. Um, How high is East Lansing right now on this Spartan program? Um, the, The people around it are pretty jacked up, but Mel Tucker's brought an SEC approach to Michigan State, so... Believe it or not, the players are not as jacked. He's just kept telling them, this is what you should expect to be doing at Michigan State. This is a business. So he gave them 24 hours but told them the moment you walk in the building on Sunday for treatment, it's it's going to be back to normal. And so one thing that has been amazing to me is I don't think there's a team in the country that's gotten more players off of the transfer portal. And they were looking for specific guys. They took a lot of criticism from net, from coaches around the country who made fun of them. But they were looking for guys like Kenneth Walker, the guy at Wake Forest. This is a guy that they were they had watched and, and even wanted to recruit when they were at Colorado. They loved his straight-ahead speed. He's a lot like a lot of Nebraska backs. And they loved him, and he wasn't happy at Wake Forest. So, boom, they jumped on him and brought him here. And in, a, in just really a short year, this is his first year. You know, D'Antonio really hurt this program. We had announced a year before that D'Antonio's intention was to retire after signing day. To, we were being told to try to force Michigan State's hand to hire uh, Mike Tressel. And the athletic director at the time, Bill Beekman, was not going to let that happen. And then when word got out that uh, he had already hired a search firm to help him replace D'Antonio's successor basically a day before signing day D'Antonio up and quit and so Tucker comes in he had no chance to recruit and because of COVID there was no spring so last year was a throwaway season they got no chances until fall practice to introduce a new system no recruits of their own and they still somehow managed to beat Michigan which was a good year but coming into this year, this is year one, people didn't know what to think. So many transfers. He had invited a lot of guys to leave the program, which is an SEC type of trait. And they came in, and they have looked exceptionally well coached. And the, the coaching's been outstanding, and they've gotten guys to perform at a very high level. So I think outside people are very pleased. Inside, they're taking a real business approach. It's pretty fascinating to watch. 
Yeah, you look at this offense, and, and there really is like three layers to it. Peyton Thorne, nine touchdowns, no interceptions. Kenneth Walker, 164 a game, um, averaging 8.6 per carry. Then you've got a receiver as well in Jaden Reed, um, who's just under 100 yards per game. I mean, there's seems like there's a lot of layers to this offense, and Michigan State, as we know, has not been known for offense in a while. Correct. They've got three legitimate NFL wide receivers. Uh, Trey Mosley and, and Speedy Naylor is the other ones. And then there's some guys who could develop into it. So they've got a lot of talent on offense. And Mel Tucker knew that his team was going to need to score points to win. And unlike D'Antonio, who wanted to win a 3-0 battle, Mel Tucker wants to come in and he wants to be balanced. He wants to throw on first down and then run when you want to, not when you have to. And that's been super successful. And one thing that they have done that I think Mel Tucker deserves a lot of respect for is there's some things that he likes to do. He can't right now. He doesn't have those players. And a lot of coaches are really arrogant. A lot of coaches are, nope, this is my system. And they've adjusted their system to the personnel that they have. And that's why they're three and oh. Had they not done that, I think they would be sitting here today one and two. But the fact that they were able to do it and they made some adjustments have been a big, you know, big credit to them. You look at this game now with Nebraska. Um, I mean, how big is it on the radar out there? Uh, obviously, I, I'm, Michigan State's a three-point favorite, um, but I got to think people are very confident um, coming into this game. Nebraska on the other end. Uh, took Oklahoma down to the wire, lost by seven, and they missed two field goals and had an extra point blocked in return for two points the other way. So uh, Nebraska, um, you know, went blow for blow with the number three-ranked team in the country. It's a very intriguing game when you look at this game for Saturday. Yeah, I'm going to give you a couple of explanations. Number one, you know, Mel Tucker showed everybody that game, that Oklahoma game, and he said to them, you know, these kids – are playing for pride. They're paying for a lot. And right now the, the, the sharks are, are circling in the water with blood. And he goes, they went to Oklahoma and he showed them the tape and said, they could have quit. He goes, any, and, and like one, one of the members of the staff told me, he said, any idiot on this, on a Michigan state fan or player that thinks that those Oklahoma, that those Nebraska kids quit on Scott Frost or morons. Cause they didn't quit in Oklahoma. And they fought hard and they played hard. And he showed them. And he goes, you better believe back home in one of the most difficult environments in all of college football, they're out for blood. They're out to show everybody last week was not an exception. They're out to show everybody, hey, you know, quit, you know, quit talking poorly about our coach. Quit talking poorly about our program. Uh, there is, I mean, are they confident? Yeah, they feel good about themselves. But they also watch that Oklahoma tape. And they've also seen how this whole thing has went down. And and I don't think there's one guy in that program that just expects to show up and Nebraska's going to quit. There's nobody that expects they're just going to show up and Nebraska's going to be a laydown game. This is going to be a physical battle. Now, I will tell you this. I'm, it's going to be interesting for me to watch the physicality. Michigan State's coming in wanting a street fight. They want to be able to just pound you and attack you. But now, don't make no, make no mistake. I am not claiming this is a team with the talent and caliber of what we saw from Coach Osborne. But they do have Coach Osborne's team's mentality that they're coming in looking for a slugfest. So if Nebraska, which I think we, we saw a lot of that in them, if they come in looking for a fight, I think the Huskers got a great chance at a win here. 
But if they're not, if they're coming in trying to finesse the Spartans, I think it'll be a long day for them. And stopping Adrian Martinez, I mean, everyone's had different approaches. Oklahoma uh, basically dropped eight and spied him with a guy and kept him down to a 10-yard run for a long on the day. Um, Buffalo blitzed him and they burned him. I mean, how do you think Michigan State attacks Adrian Martinez? I think Oklahoma just put the game plan out there and said, this is how you beat us. And, I mean, this is how you beat Nebraska. I fully expect Michigan State to do that. I expect the eight men, and they're going to basically let Adrian know, if you want to run, we're going to spy you. But if you're going to beat us, you got to beat us with your arm. And I think that's how that, I think that's exactly how Saturday is going to play out. I do think that you'll see some more blitzes, but I think you're going to see controlled blitzes. I think you're going to see them blitzing with Martinez having a spy, but only in very, very limited fashion. They're going to try to say, okay, we've got the defensive backs and Adrian go beat us with your arm, but we're not going to not blitz. It's just going to be when we want to. And then finally, Hondo, do you have a prediction for this game on Saturday? I know it's early in the week when we're taping this, but how do you see this one coming out? Yeah, I think this is going to be a battle. I do. I think this one's going to be a big one. But I I am not a person that you know looks down on Scott Frost. I know things are difficult. I know it's not gone as smoothly as everyone wants. But I think you saw a lot from them with that Oklahoma fight and with the absolute best environment in college football being what Nebraska is, I think at the end of the day, on a, on a last-second field goal, the Huskers win it 2017. All right. Well, you're going to be a popular man in, in Nebraska, Honda. We appreciate the time um, for stopping on and looking forward to getting a chance to see you out in East Lansing this weekend. All right, buddy. Thank you. And make sure uh, you are on HuskerOnline.com here over the weekend. We'll have full coverage from East Lansing, like and follow our podcast as well on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you can find podcasts. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.